Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 186 of Korea Podcast. And we're about like only roughly 13, 14 episodes away from the big milestone of 200. And well, we're right now currently at episode 186, as I mentioned. And our today's guest is Mr. Harry Alisavakis. He's a video game developer and technical VFX artist from Athens, Greece. And of course, before we jump into the like, you know, the signature questions and just, you know, the whole interview in general, I just want to quickly mention that in the four contact section of the captions down below, you can find the idea to his Instagram, the link to his art session if you want to see more in-depth stuff, the link to his Twitter because he's way more active on Twitter. And usually, as you know, the developer development and, you know, developer communities in tech especially are more active on Twitter. Instagram is for, you know, pretty, you know, soldier concept arts and pretty girl pictures. Not that those bad, but, you know. And also the link to his YouTube channel. And of course, there's something that we're going to mention and talk about in detail as well. A link to his AT, ATLV articles as well. So if you want to go check it out, if you're into, you know, some breakdowns of his, like, you know, there's like, there he did one on shaders in cell shading. And there was like, you know, a Dragon Ball VFX in Unity. Like there's so many stuff, you know, there. Uh, but yeah, there's some, that, that's pretty much all. And also the link to his website as well, which I just realized I didn't put in the caption, but I will do right now. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's about it. So let's jump into the first signature question of the podcast. All right, so give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design and art and all that stuff. Basically, tell us the story of you know the moment that made you realize that oh, I want to get into this stuff. You know? Yeah. So uh, well, first off, hey everybody, uh, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. Um, yeah. So uh, well. First off, my background is actually in computer science. Uh, like I went to uni to get like a degree in informatics and telecommunications and, you know, got into programming and all that because I wanted to get into game development. Uh, but I thought, I mean, the most common route to that is usually through computer science and programming. Uh, but uh, even before that, I actually was into 3D and uh, like uh, modeling in general and try to learn a bit of that stuff on my own. And uh, after I started learning more about Unity and teaching myself more about game development, I figured that there is a thing that actually combined the two, and it's mostly around shaders. And uh, uh, yeah, basically, I just started learning about those. And back then, there, were, there weren't a lot of resources. So as I was starting learning about them, I also kind of uh, documented my findings and uh, also said whatever I learned to make new tutorials and blog posts for, you know, people starting out like me to have something to, to begin with. Uh, and then after that, yeah, I just uh, started experimenting with whatever effects I could think of and just sharing, like, my process and my approach in, on Twitter mostly. And uh, after a while, I also got into VFX, that actually came quite a while after I got into Sailors and game dev. Uh, and the tech art part actually helped a lot with VFX, but I realized that that was an also really fun part and really creative and all my Sailor knowledge also helped a lot. And yeah, pretty much then I never stopped uh, posting and experimenting and sharing stuff like the, the recent ramen bowl that apparently people like. <laughs> All right. And um, of course, you know, as you mentioned as well, you know, the areas you're working on and also in the introduction, I mentioned that you're working, of course, in tech art and VFX and stuff. 
And um, I was just wondering, uh, do you remember the, what the first piece of like, you know, VFX effect you made and with what software did you made it? Like, you know. Uh, well, I, I mean, if we're talking strictly like game VFX, uh, which again, I was already pretty familiar with uh, Unity and all that. I think the first like actual good one, or at least, you know, the actual something that I could call a VFX, uh, a visual effect, it was, uh, I think, a tornado, like a stylized tornado, uh, which was, I think, inspired a bit by, I think, they go by Spyro on uh, on some forums. And, uh, yeah, I actually used some custom shaders for that, but I wasn't very familiar or very confident in uh, Unity's particle system. So I actually kind of rolled my own solutions with custom C-sharp animations. Uh, and yeah, it was a mess, <laughs> um, especially in terms of the setup. But after I actually got more familiar with like uh, the particle system and how actually powerful it was, uh, I started doing things the right way. <laughs> All right, and um, could you also explain to us, you know, for any for the uninitiated? I mean, I mean, basically, anyone who's listening to this episode and podcast, they probably are not uninitiated, uninitiated, and they know, you know, what tech cars is, what VFX is, and stuff like that, and they're here to learn more from you. But yeah. you know, to the possible minority that are listening and just interested in, you know, what you're doing, could you explain to them, you know, what what is exactly specifically what area you're trying to specialize in? Yeah, so I, yeah, I call myself a technical artist, even though that's a pretty broad term. Um, like I mostly do technical art and also some VFX, but it's mostly technical art. So uh, what is technical art? Uh, in essence, it's a very broad field, which, uh, you know, if you ask a lot of different technical artists, they will all tell you a different thing uh, that they're doing, like a, a bunch of different stuff. But the core goal of it is to basically make the art pipeline in a production much easier and much, uh, you know, uh, efficient, essentially. So technical artists sit right between the art and the code, and they help artists and programmers basically bring all the different stuff together in a sufficient way and uh, just also while keeping an eye out for you know, performance and making the game run well. Uh, so usually that's in form of uh, tools. Like I personally do uh, quite a bit of tool making, especially in Unity, you know, so you can imagine like if you want to scatter grass along a surface uh, or, you know, uh, just have an easy way to assign materials, stuff like that, and basically, specific things that uh, artists use on a project that, you know, make their lives easier, essentially. Uh, another way to also help is obviously with shaders. So in case, you know, people don't know, shaders are just small uh, programs, small coded programs uh, that determine how a surface will be rendered. So everything you see in a game, like, you know, how, uh, glossy uh, material is, or how uh, you know how the texture is applied on the material. All that stuff is determined by a little piece of code, which is called a shader. Uh, 
Uh, I personally like to hand code my shaders, and now there are new tools about you know where you use nodes and uh, connect them, and you know uh, some people prefer it. I don't, but uh, I have to work with that uh, in, with some Unity versions. And yeah, that's basically something that I do a lot, and something that I like to do. Basically, just uh, making different and creative uses of like tools and shaders just to make pretty visual results and also help out artists to achieve their own vision. All right. And of course, I hope everyone who listened could get a grasp and understanding of, you know, what we're dealing with right now for the people who, you know, are new to this field. And I also quickly want to mention that in his website, which I actually did now put the website link in the captions for the people who are watching right now you're you're seeing it no worries at all uh you can see that there's like you know two there's a couple of sections on the top side of the website there's one which is called technically art and the last issue was if i'm not if i'm correct was came out april 1st of 2022 which was a issue 122 as he mentioned his it's basically his journey through video game development and also another thing a series of an articles he's doing which is called shader quest so yeah those are some really interesting stuff here. If you're interested into that uh, sort of fields, if you want to go check it out, you can check it out there as well. And um, all right, there's a couple of things I want to you know mention. Recently, you know, of course, you know, one of the ways I usually find guests for the podcast is um, I'm I'm pretty much on Twitter and Instagram. I always you know keep a lookout on you know I follow you know for example different pages that you know post tutorials or stuff like that. And I think you can already tell where I'm going with this. And recently, one of your things that really blew up was I think the shader you made for that like you know noodle scene and like you know food scene and stuff like that, which you know blew everyone's mind. And um, because it could it actually yeah I mean I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna let you tell the whole story. All right. Because I think that kind of exposes it. So the mic is yours. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually made that as part of a challenge. So I also run a, a Discord community of technical artists. I mean, it's mostly around, focused around technical art and VFX, uh, but it's also open to like all different uh, game development uh, disciplines. It's called Technically Speaking, uh, just in the whole uh like brand of technically art and all that stuff uh where uh, like every two or three weeks we have like a little technical art challenge where we vote and suggest themes and pick one so like the the latest challenge which is actually still running was just food uh and another awesome technical artist uh, cyan uh posted like some really nice eggs and bacon and that which actually made me think of the the scene from Howl's Movie Castle, where you know I, I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah, it has some yeah, really yeah. beautiful, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know the scene. So I, I was actually pretty, uh, yeah, pretty excited to try something like that. Though you know, obviously I didn't want to also make bacon and eggs. So yeah, I just uh, went through looking really cool looking, you know, ramen bowls from anime, which are, are always looking super pretty and uh, super like appetizing and found a bunch of references. And, you know, I just wanted to try my hand at that. And um, yeah, apparently 
people liked it. It's also funny because the original tweet didn't get as much attention because apparently it did look quite a lot like anime, <laughs> especially, you know, when you're scrolling fast through Twitter. Uh, maybe, you know, if you don't take a second look and find all the flaws, which I know where they are, but, you know, uh, it, it's harder for other people. Uh, yeah, maybe you can't easily understand that it's actually 3D and actually, you know, in Unity, so it's real time, so it could be in a game, for example. Uh, so yeah, after that, I posted another tweet where I actually raised the, the quad that I used for the, for the soup, for the broth. Uh, and uh, yeah, it showed how the intersection with the rest of the elements worked. And yeah, apparently that was what people enjoyed the most and got the most attention because I guess people understood that it wasn't actually, uh, 2D or hand drawn or whatever. All right, interesting. And I actually kind of want to ask you something um, because you mentioned that, you know, because the post you like, you know, initially when you posted that thing on Twitter, you know, people didn't get that. They thought it was just a scene from anime. They were like, yeah, another anime scene, you know, casual anime scene, somebody 3D and just passed. But I want to ask you something. This kind of, you know, made me remember an issue I was kind of like, you know, thinking about. Um, you see, I mean, of course, I don't know if you kind of remember, but or heard from you know other artists, like you know, let's say twenty years ago, right? No, not twenty years ago. Yeah, around twenty years ago, right? Um, when people in Photoshop, the concept artists and artists have started to use, like for example, color picking for their pieces, you know, a lot of artists said this is cheating, this is wrong. You're not a good artist. You're faking art. You're not a real artist. You know, you don't know anything. You're color picking. Blah blah blah. Then photo bashing came, and same thing. Then people started using Blender, like 3D stuff, like not just Blender, by the way, just any 3D stuff, you know, in, to work in the pipeline of, to get a result for concept art. And um, because apparently it's still a lot of people, not just the artists, but a lot of people don't know the difference between illustration and concept art. Concept art is just documentation to get an idea, of, to get an idea visualized so the next person in the pipeline could just, you know, move it and just produce it, you know, whether the game is like, you know, 2D or 3D or whatever. <laughs> And then there's AI now. There's this whole issue about this. You're using AI reference. You know, that's that's so disgusting. Ah. But here's the thing I was thinking. In your opinion, if someone makes something in 3D, you know, if, first here's the thing. They have an artistic idea, right? It, it all starts with an artistic idea in the beginning, right? I think we, we all can agree on that. Then they make a scene or make an object or something. Or let's say they, for example, make a robotic hand holding the rose under a light somber, right? They made the, they make that in Blender and they don't like how it looks, so they just put it in Photoshop, the render, and started like giving it a painterly feel with the brush strokes. And they post that. Does that consider like cheating in your opinion or does is it completely fine? Uh well I mean, in my honest opinion, because I'm not like a very tradi traditional artist, you know, it's not like I actually draw or make actual 3D artwork in that sense. Uh, but in my honest opinion, I think it's fine. I don't think there's such a thing as cheating in the way that, you know, some people say in art. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying, you know, trace a picture and, you know, change the colors or anything like that. But uh, we have a lot of tools right now and even the ai tools uh as long as you know you can add your own creative agency over them and you know maybe use the 
AI-generated picture for photobusing. Uh, that's all right because you know there's still it's still like your vision and still like your creativity. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of traditionalists that think you know that art needs to have a bit of pain behind it. Like you need to draw everything on from scratch or you know not even use uh, like a digital medium whatsoever. Just you know freehand everything. And uh, yeah, I don't think we're way past that. We have a lot of tools right now, and I don't think that it's bad to use them. I mean, they if they get if they help you get you know to what your goal is faster, then why not? Again, as long as you're not actually you know using anybody else's art, or uh, if you know you just hit uh, enter on Mid Journey or any other AI tool, and you say you know I made this. Obviously, you know there's uh, there's a bit of common sense to this but uh no i believe that you know you can use any tool to you know make your art uh better looking more accurate uh, more beautiful or whatever then yeah just go for it that is honestly really interesting subject and by the way to anyone who's listening please leave that leave your opinions as well down in the comments below whether on instagram or castbox or anything i i really wanted to you know start a discussion here uh, about this issue what do you think what are your thoughts on this and i mean just to give my own two cents on this issue is i mean it depends if you're doing it for concept art and you know just you want to you know get something as i said vision more forward cheat as you want that's that's my thing it's my personal opinion like as long as you get the job done well who cares you know and yeah. uh, sorry i mean sorry to, to interrupt but i mean especially for concept art where you know you just need to convey a specific feel or like a like the atmosphere or like a specific design then yeah just just you know, drop the monolith upside down. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you just, you know, get your point across, then yeah. But as I was, you know, saying, but um, yeah. here's the thing. There's a beauty in when you take a subject and you draw and you do the line art, you do the coloring and rendering all by yourself without like, you know, 3D stuff, you know, that is a, a different subject, by the way. It's, it's not related to concept art. In my opinion, for example, if you have the vision and you bring the vision fast to 3D, but still you want to actually do it by your hand, if you use that as a reference, that is perfectly fine in terms of personal work. But if you don't care at all and you want a decoration, you know, you don't you don't necessarily want to express anything, you know, just again, just with concept art. That's my two cents. Because here's the thing: I have a lot of you know things in my head that I want to visualize, which I can quickly do it like. A, quick 3D sketch and, you know, get it up and running. But because I know I like the fundamentals in, like, you know, coloring and all, art, like, line, line work and artwork and all that, it it's not that fulfilling for me. You know, I need to somehow... I mean, this is a... Per, of course, I'm talking about personal work, you know, for yourself, not all artwork, you know. This is just my personal opinion. And I, I'm sure, you know, there might be people who disagree with me or agree with me when it comes to personal work. But that's just my two cents. But all in all, I think this, these are the type of discussions that we all should just be objectively and just have with an open mind to see where we are and not generalize stuff together to just argue with each other. It's, it's good to actually discuss this stuff open-mindedly, you know. But of course, n- most times Twitter is not the most open-minded space for that stuff. But um, yeah, all right. So I think you all are here for a very good and justifiable reason, which is you all had wonderful questions, and we're going to get into them right now. All right, so um, here's the thing. Theo Radzos asks, 
what's your proudest moment? Yeah, uh, well, the proudest moment. Hmm. Uh, well, certainly, I I'm very proud of the work that I'm doing currently with Jumpship. Uh, I'm currently working, uh, by the way, yeah, uh, as a technical artist uh, at a UK studio uh, called Jumpship on Somerville. Uh, yeah, I just. Seeing it all come together, I think, is one of my proudest moments because I know that you know that I contributed a lot to it, and I'm, I helped the artists bring out the vision uh, out there, which is awesome. Um, I can't think of anything else at this point, uh, but I think yeah, that that probably is because you know I do like making things and like experimenting with stuff and sharing uh, like my little gifs and videos and all that. Um, they are great, but you know, I would love to also make a complete game. And even if I can't do that on my own, just contributing to like such a nice project, uh, is like a very big deal for me. All right. And all right. And you actually, you know, from your setup page, you know, people had, a, a, you know, in, like asking a lot of questions and now we're going to get into them. Uh, from my side, there was only one question which I asked. And okay, so th the first person asked, how do you create such shaders? Uh, I love, you know, for the way he wrote, it sounds like, you know, he's talking about like magical spells, which is kind of funny. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if it's, uh, if the question refers to the very technical and uh, literal aspect of those or just like how I go about creating them in like a creative process. Um, well, in a literal sense, uh, I use like the built-in version of Unity and I just hand code them uh, like, you know, with either surface shaders or just, yeah, just hand coded shaders. I don't enjoy it. all the, the node-based tools all that much. Um, in a more creative essence, uh, I guess it's a lot of like noticing what makes things look the way they look. So I, I do like stylized art much more. I don't usually strive for photorealism. Uh, and so I, a lot, if not all of my, none of my shaders are actually physically correct. Uh, I don't really go with all the heavy math. I'm not good at it either. So, um, so I'm just trying to find, you know, uh, if I see a nice stylized highlight on a on a picture or a screenshot of a, of an animated series or whatever, I'm just trying to think, you know, how could I get my object looking like this uh, without actually, you know, worrying about uh, basic physics and how light works and all that stuff. So, like, especially for the stylized, uh, all the stylized things that I make, like the ramen again. Uh, first, I'm trying to, you know, get some specific effects uh, looking the way that I want them to look. And then I also try to basically destroy everything that makes it look 3D or just, you know, kill all photorealism just so that I can uh, get all the stylized elements up front. Okay, and oh, here's an interesting question. Uh, where can we learn people like shaders? 
making basically what what they're asking is you know how can we learn you know making shaders in the same style of you know ghibli studio but um there's also you know this channel on youtube i don't know if you know that sala has a station he also i think made some you know courses on that stuff like that um but yeah that aside how in your in your opinion you know have you tried experimenting with those type of cells um sir with what uh with ghibli style uh Oh, um, or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually followed the, some tutorials. I think from uh, um, it's another YouTube channel. I think it's called Anton Dedene. Uh, Don't know him. Yeah, no, it's a really great channel. I'm trying to find it right now, but I can't no find it right now. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think it's something dead in it. Uh, it's, the, it's the surname, but I can't remember the first name. Uh, yeah, they make uh, awesome Blender tutorials, Blender Shader tutorials for very like Ghibli style uh, look. And yeah, I try to integrate them a lot in in Unity. And some of my stylized water shaders are actually based on, on his. Um, but yeah, in general, I can't. There's also another one, but I can't remember. Yeah, there are most mostly Blender tutorials for these. But yeah, it's mostly I mostly come up with some techniques myself, uh, or you know, some are pretty common, but I just you know adjust uh, the results to to fit my liking. Like for example, my cell shaded shader. Uh, like cell shading is a pretty common technique. You can find out out about it anywhere. Uh, and then, you know, I just build on top or, you know, just change some elements to my liking just so that I can get a closer look to what I want. But Christoph Dedene. I remember. Oh, Crystal Dedene. Yeah, Christoph. Oh, Christoph. Oh, sorry. Christoph yeah. Dedene. Let me see. Oh. Oh, really interesting. Anime Blood Splatter. Oh, this stuff is yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll link his channel in the captions as well, you know, for anyone who's you know interested as well. Oh, really interesting. And um, I was going to ask you something. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, you know, bad memory as I mentioned. Right. <laughs> um, have you? Do you know anything about the software called uh, Sculptron? Uh, which one? Sculptron. I, I don't know if it's like Sculptron. Adam, but a software. But there has been some amazing cell shading stuff on it that just blows my mind. I don't know if you've heard about it. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. <laughs> it's like there's an artist. Is it? Wait, I have the links to the artist, actually. I'll send it to you later. But he makes like the most insane cell shading pieces of makes or, you know, scenes or, for example, flight dog, like, you know, airplane dogfight scenes or environment stuff. Like the cell shading is just out of this world on this program. It's just... <sighs> and I was kind of surprised yeah. that I even heard about it because isn't is it wait wait is it a new software? It must be a new software. Uh, I, no um, maybe. Wait. The, yeah, I think it released uh, something like last year. Oh. But yeah, it seems like it's mostly you know around sculpting and yeah animation and all that. And yeah, yeah unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with like the whole. Uh, art pipeline like I'm, I can model some basic you know props but I don't sculpt or do retopology or anything like that 
or texturing. <laughs> no, no, but even with the the texturing, oh yeah, oh yeah, you can't answer my question yet. Uh, so you're in the tech art, yeah. Um, but still, I think you know the people are still doing some really cool stuff on the development tech art. You know, like there's so many tech art stuff you can do in 3D. Like it's kind of like really, it's a really fun age to be alive in. You know, honestly. Yeah. And um, all right, so let's go to the next question, which is, how do you make 3D look so 2D? Yeah. So yeah, like I mentioned, it's uh, it's a lot. It comes a lot from you know trying to basically. It's not about making it look 2D, but just making it look less 3D. <laughs> so, uh, like for example, for the, for the latest thing with the ramen, uh, one thing that helped a lot was that I had like a very small field of view, so the camera was all, almost orthographic. So it was quite far away, but it had like a smaller field of view because the perspective is what you know gives away that it's 3D. Uh, there's also you know other techniques that I do. Add on top like edge detection, so you know you can have some outlines that feel as if somebody you know drew them. Um, obviously, lighting is a big part of it. Like you know, you can't have any gradient really with your lighting. It's all just cell shading. Like you know, you have like one or maybe two steps uh, for your light, uh, and then you know just a whole bunch of post processing to hide or all your flaws so you know you add like some grain on top to basically hide that it's all like one solid color um lot of lots of bloom so that it all you know looks glowy and yeah just basically you know trying to see okay this looks too 3d what can i do to make it look less 3d all right and the next question is Will you make a video of making those Wii effects? But before you answer that, I just want to quickly mention something as I did earlier in the mention. Uh, in the captions, you can find the link to his YouTube channel. And in his YouTube channel, you can see in a playlist for of his game dev streams, his shader dev streams, and last but not least, his VFX streams, which are like three, four hours, like each of them, like, you know, full process of like, you know, making his VFX stuff. He made like, you know, even Valorant is part of the stuff you're referring to that. I'm into that. That's why I mentioned, noticed that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he has a pretty active YouTube channel. So yeah. But aside from all the things you're doing on YouTube right now, is there any other future plans on you know making VFX tutorials as well? Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, all the videos on my YouTube are basically all just uh, stream recordings from tweets. Um, yeah, where I stream from time to time. It's been a while since I last streamed, but I'm trying to you know do that every now and then. Uh, so, but proper videos, I'm not sure I would love to. I actually really want to, you know, get back to being active in terms of making tutorials and more uh, in-depth videos and more, you know, a, a better medium basically for tutorials, uh, either for VFX or modeling, you know, but for technical artists or for saders. Uh, but right now there's no time. I'd love to do that at some point, but right now I just, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of like the thing, it's kind of like a paradox of choice because of the age we live in. We have so many opportunities to do a lot of stuff that we like, but at the same time, we live in pretty crazy times and 
you get stressed you also want you know keep your main stuff rolling you know main pro projects and you and if you don't properly try to recover from burnout or depression of that sort of stuff it, it's it's gonna like go bad honestly and so yeah everything you know will yeah it's best for each you know project to give it its own special time i mean for me you know podcasting is not even considered a project because it by project i mean it doesn't i it i don't take it it doesn't take me an effort that's what i'm trying to say it's easy for me like the editing is fast for me i can basically become natural at it at, at this point and it it doesn't take energy from me that's the thing you know i enjoy it that's what i'm trying to say that's why i keep still doing it and but still you know i personally like you know haven't i'm still in the process of like recovery of you know from a lot of burnouts you know in since past two weeks now and uh i try not to because there's always this guilt on the back of your head that you're just being lazy. Go work. But I know that I actually need to recover from, like, you know, all the burnout I had. But, yeah, for anyone who's listening, you know, definitely, like, if you can, please take it, take care of your mental health. Because, and your physical health as well. Because when you sit down behind the system for, like, sometimes all day, I'm not just going to say 8 hours or 12 hours. Because some days you might sit behind the computer for 16 hours. So that's what I'm saying all day. That's what I'm doing, which is really unhealthy. And uh, yeah, take care of your mental health, emotional health, physical health, this tree, like just if, when you're good at those, when you're balanced at those areas, you're like just your productivity is going through the roof compared to, you know, where you were. So yeah, I always like any opportunity I get to say this type of stuff, I always say because it's super important as reminders. And um, okay, so hmm, next question is, what inspired you to become a 3D artist? You're a tech artist, but yeah. still, 3D artist. Yeah, well, um, what inspired me? Um, well, I mean, I always, you know, wanted to, you know, work on games. Like, uh, there were games that inspired me, you know, to get into game development since high school, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, especially for, like, tech art. Uh, I'm not sure what inspired me precisely, but, I, I you know, I... To be honest, while I do have a programming background, I'm not terribly, terribly good at code. Uh, I do enjoy writing it and I do enjoy, you know, making stuff and programming. Uh, but I'm not like one of these really crazy good programmers. Um, so, you know, when I figure out that there's also a way to, you know, code, but also to creative and visual stuff, which I always liked. Uh, you know, I just leaned more towards that. So, yeah, I think that basically figuring out that there's a way to combine, you know, coding with art. So, yeah. All right. And what is the best way or place to learn shaders for Blender? Interesting question. Yeah. Uh, well, for Blender... For Blender specifically, I'm not sure. I mean, I know that there's Erin Dale uh, has awesome Blender videos. They're mostly about geometry nodes, as far as I know, but I, I think they also cover a lot about shaders. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I don't know a lot about shading shaders in Blender. But the thing is, and the very good thing is that shader knowledge is very transferable. Like uh, shaders are pretty much the same everywhere, and especially if you get into like coded shaders where you understand, you know, what's happening, uh, how, you know, you can take the direction of the light and the normal vector, and then figure out, you know, how something is lit. Then you can easily just 
uh, use that knowledge to any environment, then that thing looks better. So yeah, I can make some whatever shaders I might want. Maybe not too complex because I'm not too familiar, but I can make a lot of shaders in Blender as well. Uh, even though you know, I just I started playing shaders mostly with Unity. But uh, if somebody is really interested in learning uh, shaders, uh, even if it's just with code, uh, what I always suggest to people is starting with the Book of Shaders. Uh, it's a site. Uh, it's made by Patricio Gonzalez. Um, which is like a very general introduction into how shaders work and how to think with shaders uh, without caring about like whatever environment you're in and you know whatever setup you might need and writing other code or whatever. It's just you know you just write shaders. All right. And by the way, you know, for that person who asked about shaders in Blender, I actually you know I'm my main software that I'm just learning as well as Blender and a great YouTube channel for that that actually put us a lot of like you know has a lot of like materials and shaders, you know, tutorials for Blender is Ducky3D. I don't know if you know him, uh, but Ducky3D is an amazing channel for that. And yeah, I mean, there are other great, you know, Blender YouTube channels, but specifically Ducky3D is really good for materials and shaders. He has a lot of, you know, good tutorials. And um, the next question, which is, if I know already 3D modeling, how should I start learning VFX? So we have someone who knows street modeling, but they want to get into VFX. Yeah, so, well, the 3D modeling knowledge is actually very useful. You can get a lot uh, in your VFX if you, you know, if you come from a 3D modeling background. So uh, what's really handy is to actually, you know, learn about any VFX systems that, you know, your engine of choice uses. So uh, like if you use Unity, then it's the Surikin particle system or the VFX graph in the in the URP and HDRP versions. Um, and yeah, it's obviously a matter of, you know, learning what you can do with that tool because it can actually give you a, a lot of uh, control and a lot of flexibility in terms of, you know, whatever you want to make. Because VFX is... Obviously, there's a, a big visual component to it, but it also has a lot of other disciplines to it, like uh, color theory or like animation, timing, uh, all that stuff is, you know, they come from experience uh, and they come, you know, from just trying stuff out and see what feels better. But, you know, coming from a 3D background will help a lot because you can make your own custom messes and uh, play a lot with uh, custom UVs. Like if you... A big part of you know VFX is actually taking advantage of UVs in more creative ways than just you know texture mapping, because you know scrolling UVs around you can get like a an interesting trail texture just panning around and making it look like more trailing and more wispy, or uh, yeah if you unwrap a cylinder as a uh, with a cylinder projection then you can. No, sorry, like a disk with a cylinder projection, you basically can get something like a polar coordinates and you can make, you know, te textures swirl around while they're actually proper textures. So, yeah, 3D modeling will help a lot with that since, you know, somebody is already familiar with how to model uh, basic messages or even more complex messages and, you know, just combine it all with like uh, whatever, you know, system their engine of choice uses, like, you know, particle systems and whatnot. But yeah, uh, there's also like 
I think plenty of YouTube tutorial uh, channels uh, for Unity, like there's, uh, it's called One MAFX, uh, which has like some really awesome tutorials for uh, also using Substance Designer and Houdini for messes and textures. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty of resources out there. All right, and well, there's only a couple of questions remaining. Let's go through them, which the next question is, how do I start if I have never written code but want to learn to write shaders on my own? Yeah, so that actually might be even easier, uh, mostly because hand-coded shaders, uh, like... <laughs> Shaders uh, made with code uh, actually use like HLSL, GLSL, or CG. Uh, there's like a very a handful of languages that you know you can use with hand-coded shaders. But the thing is that they're all very, very different from uh, like conventional coding. Like when I got because when I started with shaders, I only knew C sharp, uh, starting from Unity. Uh, and yeah, when I first opened like um, a shader lab shader. Uh, in Unity, yeah, I was just very confused because everything looked weird. Like there were functions that I didn't know where they were getting called from, or it used like three different kinds of syntax that I've never seen before. Uh, It's weird. So I don't think that not knowing coding uh, can be a very big obstacle, especially if you're not actually making, you know, coded shaders and you use uh, any node-based system like Shader Graph or Amplify Shader Editor or Unreal Engine's Material Editor. Uh, Yeah, you don't need any code for that. It helps. It helps a lot to know what happens behind the scene and how you could achieve the same uh, effect with code. Uh, but you don't really need a very strong coding background, as long as you understand like very basic code principles. You know, like you know, each line you know gets executed after the the other one, and you know, other semicolon at the end. I don't know, uh, but like very basic coding principles, then you're pretty pretty right to say this. And let's say for a beginner, like you know, for example, let's pick a software and a programming language for a beginner to start. Um, is Blender a Python or a good, op- a good option or like, you know, because I've heard on Unity, they do a lot of coding with C-sharp as well. Uh, what is your suggestion for the same person who asked the question? Um, sorry, I was, uh, can you repeat that? Because yeah, I'm not sure. sure. Got it. Um, he basically asked the, I'm, I'm, I'm not, why did I say he? I mean, they asked, yeah. um, uh, oh, how they can you know start you know coding their own shaders so uh what suggestion you have in terms of like you know programming language and you know softwares you know to start with with that yeah i mean for shaders specifically uh i don't have any suggestion in particular i mean unity obviously uh i think it's maybe easier and maybe more approachable to get started with uh, though for Seder specifically, as I mentioned, I think the Book of Seder is a very good place to start because you don't need to, you know, uh, know anything about any environment. Like, you know, because, okay, it's not a big deal, but like for Unity, okay, you might write a Seder, but you also need to apply that to a material and then put that material onto a 3D model and see what happens. Uh, but, you know, if you just want this pure Seder knowledge, uh, something like the Book of Seder, which has no... 
rendering environment, you know, like 3D, anything like that, is probably the best way to go. And it's also also all coded, but it goes like very gently and very uh, easily teaches you how to use code for shaders. All right. So um, how can I start learning what you do? Do you know where I can find tutorials to, to start learning this, which I assume they mean tech art? Um, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, so, yeah, for tech art specifically, uh, the answer is a bit complicated because, yeah, as I mentioned, every technical artist has, I guess they have like a different set of skills. Like some technical artists can work with rigging and with animation and IK, stuff like that, making tools for Maya or other 3D programs. Uh, they can know code or they can be more focused around art. Uh, it, it's a bit difficult because basically the skill set of every technical artist is whatever fits the project and the studio. It's not like, uh, I mean, for 3D artists, you can assume that, you know, most of 3D artists have more or less the same skill set in terms of, you know, uh, the, the type of things that they know, not, spe- not like the level. So, I mean, they, you would, you know, know sculpting and texturing and topology and maybe some rigging, but, you know, they're, they're pretty uh, consistent. But with technical artists, it's, it's a bit tough because, yeah, it's basically just a matter of learning as much as you can about as many disciplines as you can and finding creative ways to combine them and just help out the rest of the team. So I start to learn how to, you know, be a technical artist, I guess. Uh, it's basically just a matter of, you know, trying to learn as much as you can. Uh, if somebody's more art inclined, then that's all right. But, you know, uh, it helps to know a bit of code and uh, scripting, at least, in, you know, make tools or combine, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe VFX with uh, triggering them through code, you know, stuff that basically combines the two disciplines. Uh, but again, it very much depends on what, whatever, you know, some projects or studios need. But it, more or less, it's just about, you know, learning as much as you can, just, you know, trying out stuff, uh, trying to make games, trying to make shaders, trying to make art, uh, whatever you can, as much as you can. And then the rest is just putting that to good use. All right, and um, ooh, really juicy question. I love that. What specs does your PC have? <laughs> yeah, so um, I have like a yeah desktop PC. I'm using a Ryzen nine five uh, 5900 X, I believe. So yeah, I went a bit uh, overkill with the CPU. Uh, an RTX 3070, which I got when they were very, very expensive (laughs) Uh, compared uh, compared to the retail price at least. But yeah, I made this uh, computer like, yeah, one year ago, one and a half year ago when like GPU prices were picked, but I really needed it. So yeah. Thanks to the NFT communities that they, everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they ruin everything. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, but 
Uh, I think, yeah, that's uh, the most important thing. Though I am pretty happy about my screen. Uh, I went from like having two kind of small screens to like a ridiculously wide one. Uh, I think it's the CRG9, which is really awesome for productivity. And uh, yeah, like the field of view is amazing, in especially in first-person games. It really is annoying when I want to screen share anything. Uh because then everything gets squeezed and a lot of applications and programs are actually made thinking about 16 by nine aspect ratio. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised how many games like don't properly adjust like an ultra wide screen. Yeah, but yeah, no, I've been, I've been really enjoying it. Wow, and I mean, I could imagine also like people usually, you know, like you know think about oh my god i wish one day i can you know have a have a good relationship and do this and you know go on travels and I, i'm and you know what i'm like i'm like i want to i want a crazy like you know high-end spec pc because the amount of uh, just insane processors that's what i really crave right now and I, the amount of things like you know here's the thing the podcast whenever i just i edit them i have to put them into out of after effects so i can you know get it rendered and get, make the final product and they usually take three to four hours because i am on a really old you know seven year old pc now i've been you know learning 3d on it which is kind of like you know crazy um yeah because of financial reasons i can't upgrade night right now but i can't listen i even installed substance painter recently on it and i was so excited but then boom big warning you can't the any, at any moment on your laptop, it might crash. You need to, you know, change some registry stuff on graphics of your uh, laptop manually, which I searched on the internet, and they said it might be risky if you do that incorrectly. You might have to reinstall your OS, and I'm like, fuck that. And um, so, yeah, I had to uninstall Substance Painter. But still, I mean, the great thing with Blender is, is free. It's lightweight. And even if we, you know, old laptops, you can still learn and do stuff with it. And there, there's no excuse. Yeah. You know, so that's why, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not sad or anything, you know, I, I just keep going with this, you know, as long as I can. And, um, yeah, so as you can see there, there I, I have valid reasons why would I have that fantasy of having like a huge eye and stuff. Because I just imagine like if I hit render on After Effects, like in, in a high-end PC, the render of a two-hour video will be just ready in 10 minutes. And, and that's that's something that we get using inside. It's kind of like I don't know, <laughs> man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been my my fantasy to also get like high end PC because yeah, the, the one I had before it was like a, it was Frankenstein out of different parts that I got. You know, uh, after I bought it, I just changed the GPU, then changed the motherboard to the CPU, and it, it was all like a, a mess. Uh, I mean, it did its job and it served me well, but yeah, I just needed an upgrade after some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because even renders, you know, right now, whenever I do a render, I only let it be rendered by five, six percent on Blender. I mean, because just I just want to get the like the clear definition of the thing. I don't need it to be just super like you know highly defined, definitely rendered with cycles. Uh, because if I want to do that, each piece usually takes like roughly sixteen to twenty-two hours, and yep, that's not possible for my case. Um, but yeah, I was once crazy enough and with one of my, you know, relatively amateur simple scenes, which at the time, you know, when I was, you know, doing it, I had learned a lot through, you know, making it. But it it took like 18 hours to render because I there were so many things I didn't know back then. I should have just adjusted the optimizer, you know, render settings and stuff like that. But still, my uh, naive, uh, in my naivety, I actually, you know, let it render and my probably laptop wasn't so happy about it, but here we are. 
And yeah, I mean, I'm glad you actually have a good spec PC right now, man. Thanks. I'll, I'll wish you get your high-end spec PC as well soon. Thanks so much. <laughs> Uh, all right, so last question, which is any tutorial out there to lead to this manga style or is it something you discovered yourself? And you could, we kind of went over it to like, you know, in some yeah, of the previous answers, but still, you know, just to answer his question, their question, I, why do I keep saying his? Sorry, I don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't think of a specific tutorials. I did a small breakdown of that specific, uh, like, uh, ramen bowl thing. Uh, as to how it was, you know, put together. Uh, and the fun fact, I actually have served most of the shaders that I used. Uh, I already have a tutorial about them on- online on my on my website. Uh, they might be slightly modified, but the, the core is there, like free with the code and whatever, you know, because I want people to actually, you know, use those. Uh, so, um, yeah. Not a specific tutorial I followed or anything I can think of. Maybe at some point I might do some more detailed write-up again if there's the time. Uh, but I definitely will do more uh, tests like that and I will try more uh, anime-like scenes and whatnot. So yeah, I'm excited to you know try that out and then maybe share whatever I make and how I, however I made it, just, you know, share whatever I can and um, yeah the crazy thing about that is like uh, it's everywhere and it's kind of crazy that um, the world is going right now and I think and I think it's a good thing as well that we're inching towards this idea of like you know when it comes to media and entertainment and all that stuff every we're getting towards the era of like you know stylized ourselves basically that's what I'm trying to say because usually the most cliche and niche ourselves have been done and to breathe out some freshness into the product, you know, you need, of course, you know, people who are like, you know, good at making those ourselves, you know, pop out really well. And I think one of the reasons that it was so well received was that. And of course, like even like an hour before I got in the call, I was just browsing my LinkedIn and checking my notifications and it was on LinkedIn. It was on our, our session articles. It was on Twitter. Uh, congratulations, by the way, you know, great, great stuff there, man. And, um, yeah, that's about it. So in his website, I link, of course, is in the captions. And by the way, I always, you know, say this, you know, as just like a quick little fun thing, you know, for every audience and yourself, but just let me quickly bring this out. All right. This I wanted to bring out today is 14th of July, the day we're recording this episode. And if you're watching this episode, which is episode 186, you're probably watching it on August 29th. So, yeah, 15, 16, 35, 45 days later. Wow. So, yeah, from the past, we say hi. All right. So, next, jump into the next question, which is um, Who are some of your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? By the way, not just artists and designers, like, you know, uh, tech artists, you know, the people in your field as well. You know, you can mention them as well. Oh, yeah, good question. Uh, well, I'm a really big fan of some, of a lot of artists I see and follow actively on Twitter. Uh, like there's Nick Carver, who's like an art director and has worked on some really beautiful projects. Um, now, there's so many that I, I don't think I can name them all or even recall them. But 
Uh, yeah, no, there's too many. I'm trying to see, you know, maybe scroll through my bookmarks and see if I no stored words. anything. Uh, but yeah, others oh, like late as usual. Uh, that's their handle. Um, well, they do amazing stuff in Blender. Ex- mm-hmm. Great experiments. Uh, oh, there's obviously uh, like Mako, as they brand themselves. Uh, they're an illustrator. They've done a lot of work for like Tunic uh, for the game. And I think, yeah, their style is probably, it's maybe like the like the best thing that I would want to manage in 3D, uh, like making this look uh, in 3D, that could be like probably the, the end goal of my uh, 2D style experiments. Um, yeah, no, there's, there, there's plenty. Like that's the good thing about uh, about Twitter. Like uh, every day I scroll and I see great work from great artists or like uh, amazing tech from uh, like really awesome tech artists. Uh, like for example, there's uh, Oscar, uh, who's the creator of um, Townscaper. Like their work in tech art is like amazing and revolutionary. Oh, yeah, really. Townscaper was such a fun game. I have it on my Steam as well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's Cyanilux uh, that I mentioned, who's like a really gifted technical artist. Uh, yeah, no, just so many. <laughs> All right. Actually, you know, this is one of the questions that people usually get stunned by, you know, because they're like, oh my God, there's so many. I, I have art and artists usually, you know, as you know, um, they're super visual people. They, they're not good with names. And as you kind of observed today, even before recording, I don't have a good memory in general recently. So they're just good with, you know, visual cues, you know. And yeah, this is one of their people's like, you know, least favorite. Not, no, actually, that's not the right thing to say. Least, not fa- least favorite question, but it's one of the difficult questions, you know. And you pass yeah. it pretty well. And a smart way to usually answer this is just say, go look at my list of following people. That's it. <laughs> because I actually had that as an yeah. answer once. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, that's a big list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And all right. What are you working on right now that you can tell us about? What kind of project is it? I mean, of course, it, there's always there's always you know a possibility of ADS being involved. If that's the case, we can skip or jump right past this question. But if that's not the case, what are you doing right now? Uh, well, yeah, besides uh, the work I do uh, at Somerville with Jumpship, um, with I'm not really doing a lot with personal projects. I'm, you know, I'm still doing like little experiments like that. Uh, I There's plenty of games that I would want to make and maybe have started, but never got the courage to continue working on them. Uh, ideally, I think, yeah, tomorrow uh, there's the GMTK Game Jam, which I would love to you know, uh, participate and maybe try and make something there. And if it ends up good, you know, maybe think about uh, making it into like a full game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Game development is hard. (laughs) I try, I'd love to make something of my own and I've tried. Uh, But yeah, no, it's been a while since I worked on something on my own. Oh, something I do work actively on and I'm close to finishing is a little tool uh, for grass rendering and scattering in Unity. Uh, I call it greenery. Uh, it's not just for grass. I mean, you can pretty much use it for any mess and whatnot, but I, I mostly would like to use it for grassy fields and flowers and rocks and all that stuff. Uh, I've said a lot about it on Twitter and uh, I'm close to 
well, getting into a point where other people may, may use it. Uh, again, as I mentioned, I'm not very great at code, so uh, I don't have all the confidence in the world to just, you know, share it too lot there. But it's something that Unity desperately needs. Like, right now, there's no good built-in tools for Unity uh, to, you know, have like a nice grassy field. So I wanted to fill that gap. Uh, and ideally, I would probably, I would probably, you know, release Greenery for free. Uh, either, yeah, like a base version of it just for, you know, people to, to use it and expand upon it. And then maybe like more feature complete with more sages and examples uh, in the asset store. I don't know. Yeah, that's actually, I think, the smartest way to go with because even Docu3D, as I mentioned him earlier, he also has a huge add-on library on Blender for materials. And he I think around 20, 35 to 40 of the materials are for free and you can get them. But the, And by the way, the, those even free materials are super good. But if you want to look more of like, you know, materials, you need to actually you know pay you know to get the subscription. And the thing is, when you subscribe, I think you... At, he keeps updating the library, so you can get, if you, for example, and that's a crazy thing. Uh, so I think you pay, I don't know, like $35, $40 or something, but it sounds kind of too good to be true, but I think it was yeah. that, it was, it was the case. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly, that's a good idea. Like you can get a pack of like, you know, some branches or bushes and grass. And of course people want to, because here's actually that's a really smart idea. Because uh, I, for one of my pieces, I try to like model a, 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 a specifically um, leaves of a certain type of wine, you know, wine plants, you know, ivy vine. I think that was the name. And there, I couldn't find any free models on a Sketchfab or anything, you know. I, so I just had to do it myself. So I kind of scrapped it because it was taking too much time. Because I wanted to become really good, and I wanted to rig the plants so it actually, you know, like you know. Uh, react to the wind and you know movement and stuff like that but i was like you know i just use a free and i, I just use completely another different asset but yeah that's actually that actually really must be really good yeah, honestly yeah. yeah yeah no um yeah the, the cool thing about the tool is that it also tries to be pretty efficient as to how it you know it renders things like there's uh you know frost and culling so you know you don't see it doesn't render whatever you know it sells out of the camera and I want to make it so that it's easily expandable so people, you know, can add their own models and they can even add, like, their own methods of scattering. Like, if they have a specific way that they would want, you know, to place uh, plants and rocks, they can easily expand uh, on the existing tool. Uh, and, yeah, it's, I think, it's basically what I would want to have when I'm making all these little scenes that I'm making. So I made it mostly for me because I wanted like that one final solution for this kind of stuff. Uh, but I also really want to give back to the community and, you know, just release that for as many people, you know, to, that want to use that. All right. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, see, memory problems, as I said. Yeah, I was going to say, I just remembered. Um, please do let me know when you kind of release the alpha version or beta version of anything. I will share share it on my uh, me, social media links as well, you know, so if anyone is interested. Basically, I tell this to any guests, if they have any upcoming project, I will share the release versions to my audience as well. So please do let me know. And uh, yeah, for sure. now... Here's a kind of like an interesting question. Let's take a break from all this technical stuff. You know, we're kind of tired of that. So many questions. I probably want to, you know, enjoy them. I did enjoy them, you know. But here's the question. 
What area beside the area you're working on right now, which is of course tech art and art and all of that, would you be interested to explore and learn in the future? Um, it could be anything. Basically, what other hobbies and ambitions you have aside from what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I would like to for sure expand like my skill set in both directions. So I would really want to uh, learn more in-depth technical stuff about graphics, like you know, make my own graphics engine or uh, learn more about you know, basically how graphics work uh, under the hood, uh, make a rasterizer, I don't know that kind of stuff. Uh, and but also I could really want to learn more about how to to draw and how to model better. Uh, maybe one thing I would really I would really love to learn would be uh, hand drawn animation for VFX. Like I yeah, all the hand drawn VFX that I see just make me drool. Like they're, they're so amazing. Uh, so that's maybe something I really like to focus on in the future. Uh, but when it comes to like specific discipline, maybe I could enjoy, you know, art directing in the future, uh, or yeah, basically just managing something on my own while still doing my own, you know, uh, my own thing, but basically having more creative control over a project and especially in terms of the, the art and the aesthetics that would probably be like the, the end goal for me. All right. And well, we've reached the final section and question of the podcast, which is called Final Words. Uh, all right. Let me explain what that means. Basically, imagine in, uh, let's say, a limited amount of time, a, a few minutes, you had the opportunity to, to say anything that you want from a human, from Harry Elisabakis, to anyone else who might be listening to this feed to this episode of podcast in the future. It could be at any point of time in future, by the way. It could be a month, week, 10 years, a century if the world hasn't got destroyed. Hopefully not. But um, in that case, you know, it's kind of like a time capsule. That's, I, actually, I should rename it to time capsule because the last question of the yeah, podcast still... Yeah, actually, because the last question of the podcast, is, I usually want it to be a special thing. And... Um, since till episode 74 or 5 it was like you know a timeline question which they would give a rundown of timeline of you know how anyone who's listening can have a quick rundown of their journey basically like how they can follow it as well so they can reach where they are but then i changed it to this what i'm what i'm asking you right now and when i did that for a long time i forgot to change from timeline to quick tips and it was like timeline for 20 more episodes <laughs> But then I changed it to quick tips. Now, it's, yeah, this is kind of weird things about my podcast. I, it's on the graphics. Is it was quick tips till episode 150, but then 150 from you know forward. There's no titles and it's just text, which is awesome, minimal. But I want to change that official name of it, which is time capsule. All right, that was an unnecessary long rant. Well, we're listening to you now. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the best thing that I could say would be you know just. Keep being creative, keep exploring, keep trying stuff out. Uh, and, you know, it, community is probably the best thing that is out there. Like, okay, I've gotten pretty far in my career, but honestly, the best thing I've done is fostering like a really great community on Discord and having helpful people just, you know, be nice and yeah, help each other. So, yeah, in terms of, uh, well, the industry and whatnot, I guess, yeah, just keep being creative, keep trying stuff out, keep sharing whatever you find, keep 
you know, offering back to the community because that's cool. But most of all, just be kind because it's not only just a small industry, but, you know, even not just for that, it, it just pays to be kind of, you know, just it's a, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Pretty underrated answer, to be honest. Yes, true. Everyone like like everyone watches interviews of like you know how to become better is better than but no one takes a step back and sees what's the real thing, what's the main thing that's important. Just being a human first and other things next. Um, yeah, pretty good answer. And thanks so much for coming by. It was a real pleasure. And sure, thank, thank you for inviting me. My pleasure, man. And thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode as well. I hope you enjoyed this and learned because it, it was one of those, you know, educationally packed episodes, like, you know, to be, to be honest. And yeah, I think this, this is actually will be, I hope, hopefully this episode will end up being a good resource for a lot of the hope upcoming, like, you know, tech artists, VFX artists and stuff like that. And yes, if there's any comments and suggestions, as always, leave them down in the comments below and uh, nothing gets left unread or even you can send it to me on a personal message on the DM me on Instagram. I always, you know, check. I'm most active on Instagram. And um, yeah, that's about it. Take care, everyone. Till next episode. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.